up everybody, Milenis here and welcome to the Calligraphy Masters podcast. This is a show where I talk with some of the most inspiring and influential artists in the world of calligraphy, lettering and sign painting with the goal of exploring their mindset and understand how they became successful. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with the first female guest on the podcast, Miriam aka Half a Pixel from Switzerland. She is focused on uh, copper plate script and script calligraphy and we've been discussing her journey in calligraphy, how she, how and why she works with iPad, about her favorite pen holders, about nibs and many other things. So let's jump into it. So hi Miriam, I'm, uh, I'm very hyped to, uh, to have you as a guest in the Calligraphers podcast. You're actually the first female and it's funny yeah. because just today I had a comment on, on a video like, oh, those podcasts are really cool, but what's happening with the women? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> easy, easy. Here is the first one. I'm here. <laughs> awesome. So, like, yeah, it's it's super cool to, like, this is something I really love about the podcast. It's some of the people which I do them with, like, I know them, like, yeah. quite good and I met with them. But then also a very big percentage of the people, like you and others, I never had to talk and see you. Yeah. It's usually yeah. some chat on Instagram or something like this. So yeah. I really enjoy this experience and it's super cool. Yeah, it's always fun to like put a, put a face to, to like a profile picture. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So Miriam, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Where are you from? Yeah. How old are you? And what was it like uh, your life like growing up? Sorry. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was the point in your life uh, that you start uh, gaining interest in? interest for calligraphy and letters in general okay all right uh i'm miriam i'm from zurich switzerland i'm 24 right now i'll be turning 25 in april yeah april so almost 25 um and basically i only got into lettering like three years ago before that i was like i was just the writer because when i was 12 i started writing stories because my teacher was like you're always done early in class we gotta do something for you so try writing a story and then it somehow just became like my biggest passion and hobby so i was always into words and uh, i was always the girl that's on her computer either writing stories or doing something else and um, i was like really into gimp back at the time which is like um, a software uh, a software for uh, that's pretty similar to Photoshop, but it's a little bit more complicated because it's like freeware. But I was just like I had this very early version that was um, running like a fake Ubuntu on my Windows PC, so I could run it. So it was really early. Okay. Um, and I was just designing covers for like my stories that I was writing, and um, I had like three thousand fonts downloaded from Dafont. So I was always into type in a way but never really into lettering. And um, so that was like my thing. I was the writer. I did a little bit of creative work, but I never really thought of myself as an artist. I was just the writer, the tech nerd, just those kind of things. And um, then uh, I was like in high school or so. Then someone, um, we had like this computer science class and I had to do like Word and Excel. And because I was spending all my time in front of a computer, it was just like, all right, I know all of this. And I was done really early again. So my teacher was like, all right, so um, now you can either like 
teach yourself how to program this like it was like a little car with like a remote that you could program or you can like look at into website programming so html css and javascript and by that time i had like started a blog for my writing and it was in all those forms and that was running on google blogger which had like um this whole um it was written in xml which is like html with a little bit of a da database yeah i'm familiar with and it was like yeah, uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to start learning how to code that thing because it was just gibberish at the time. And um, I learned about CSS and that was like this this moment where I was like, all right, something something is happening here. Something is uh, it has changed for me because while I was writing, I always was saying that my biggest goal as a writer was to like mentally paint a picture in the person's mind that's reading it. So painting with words in a way. And CSS is basically you write the code, you write words, and then the browser will render that like as an image. So I was like, that's literally painting with words. So it's really cool. And then um, I wanted to just keep doing it and I dove really deep into that. And uh, that became my life after that, basically. So I was just like in front of my computer, either coding code or writing stories. So I was just typing all the time. And um, but then came the time to decide for uni. And I was like, all right, I could do graphic design, which was something that I was into. But in Switzerland, you have to do this. Um, it's like a one year course that's really expensive. And you have to do all of the art stuff to get into art school to do like graphic design. And I knew that I would never be able to do that because I was terrible at all of the arts. Like, I'm really bad at painting. I cannot sculpt for the life of me. So I was really not an artist. And I was like, all right, I cannot do that. So I'm just going to study, like, communication science, which is, um, like, marketing and stuff. So you can get into that afterwards. And English literature. And because I was just always into literature. And um, English was, like, my main subject in... Uh, High school so I was like I'm gonna do that just for fun and do the communication science for like a living afterwards and maybe if I keep being a little bit creative I could go into like graphic design a little bit later on but um, then what happened afterwards was like um, I started I started studying that and it was like all right I need to like earn a little bit of money next to like studying because just being a student wouldn't pay any bills and I was still always like hoarding some kind of stuff. First I was really into nail polish, now I'm really into pens, I just need to something to spend my money on. So um, I got an internship as a front-end developer, which is uh, just the person that programs websites. And because I was getting pretty good at this front-end thing, I was just doing it all the time. And then I got to work into that. And uh, after a year at uni, I was like, all right, I'm not going to finish that because I never want to work in this field and I'm really bad at it. Um, but I really liked my internship. So I was like, all right, I need something that will allow me to do front end development as a job. But I also need some type of like, um, like a degree in a way, because I had just finished high school and nothing else. And um, then I was like, I'm not going to study computer science because I'm even though I'm not an artist, I'm still creative and I want to do something that also allows me to do some writing as well. So I went to this like professional counselor and she was like, all right, just tell me about me. And I was literally just there telling her my entire life. Like I've been a writer all my life. I've never been an artist and creative. I like to program and all like the entire thing that I just told you. <laughs> and um, then uh, she was like, all right, there's just one type of thing that I can think of 
for you, which is media engineering. And I had never heard about it. No, me neither. It's pretty, yeah, it's a pretty new thing. It's like um, there's like unis and another type of like higher education. I think it's still translated uni in English, but it's like you could also do it if you have an apprenticeship. So it's like this special kind of like university that's more hands-on and practical and not theoretical. And um, I had to actually move from Zurich to this little town nestled in between the mountains because that was the only place they taught it. Or um, they also taught it in Bern, which is like the capital of Switzerland. But they wouldn't teach my the major that I wanted to choose there. So I knew if I was going there, I would have to like travel um, after the second year to go there. So I was immediately going there. I moved there. And um, that was media engineering is basically um, journalism, film production, um, some law, a little bit of communication as well, um, a lot of coding and also a bit of like design, but not really focused on design a lot. It's just like you learn how to like um, draw a storyboard or you learn how to um, like design a website, but it was really bad. Um, and that was when calligraphy entered my life because we had this typography class and um, it's a, it was a really bad typography class. It was absolutely terrible. We had this assignment of like designing glyphs for a font. So like we had an image, everyone had to be inspired by this image and we had to take inspiration from that image and turn it into a font, um, but just part of it, like six letters or so. But it could not be word art, it could not be lettering or anything. And um, they were like, all right, everybody of you needs a parallel pen and you can also bring other pens, but you definitely need that parallel pen. So I bought a parallel pen and um, then they were like, all right, um, this is some theory on typography and now just do. <laughs> so they didn't give us any guidance or anything. They just let us do. Uh, we were like sitting there for six hours every week, just trying to figure out how to do our letters. And um, everybody was dreading that class because um, the teachers were pretty annoying. And, but we were all like, we all had this parallel pen and nobody knew how to use it. Um, but it was just in everybody's mind. And then in one of the other classes, suddenly someone posted in our Facebook group where we were just chatting all the time because we were bored. Um, it was the video of Seb Lester doing logotypes. I'm pretty sure you've seen it. I think everyone has seen it. Yeah, yeah. And using a parallel pen. And I was like, all right, this is really cool. And um, I watched that like at least 50 times or so. And that was like, if you watch the video so often, your like YouTube suggestion list is just ruined. You just get lettering all the time. So it was full of lettering. And I was just looking at those parallel pen videos all the time. But I never really felt compelled to like use my parallel pen and try to do lettering. Um, until that one time where suddenly there was a video called um, Brush Lettering Basics. It was by Tila Cunningham and I was like, well, I have a lot of brushes at home. I'm just going to try it. And um, I tried it. And that was another one of those like moments, like when I found writing or, or like coding, I was like, all right, words are literally a theme in my life right now. This is awesome. Like I can mentally paint pictures with words. Now I can like in real life with code, I can paint pictures and now I can just paint words. And um, that was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, I have to do this. And um, I weirdly really wanted to do it. So I, um, it was like the 30th of December back then in like 2015. And by January, I had just like 
lettered every day without really researching a lot. I had just seen that one video and I was just writing quotes in like my cursive with a brush. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to join Instagram and do a lettering account. I'm just going to do it. And um, that was when I really entered into, into this world and mostly into modern calligraphy. So I did like brush lettering. And at one point I like found um, pointer pens as well. And I had seen them before, but they're really not common in Switzerland. Like the entire German region is just not really into pointer pen. We just have like broad edge nibs a lot. Yeah. But um, then I had like seen it and I ordered it internationally because I always have to order everything internationally. And I got these nibs and I did a little bit of research. Like I, um, I was going deep enough into research that I heard that like the, the um, speedball oblique, the black one is really bad as an oblique holder. So I was like, all right, I'm not buying that, but I'm going to buy everything else. And I have this huge collection of stuff. So um, but I never, and I did a bit of research on how to use that, but I never really did a lot of research about my script. So my script was absolutely terrible. Like it, it looked like I had just merged a, a lot of different fonts into one. So um, it looked really terrible. Like if, but I was really proud of it. Obviously, I was really proud of it because as a beginner, you always seem to be proud of your lettering. Uh, weirdly enough, mostly because you just aren't trained to like look at it right. Um, but I was just, I made a lot of cool friends in the modern calligraphy community and was just really having a lot of fun with it. And then I also found Karen Newport, who um, back then still had her personal account. She's at iPad Lettering. And she had, was the first person to really letter with the iPad. And I was obsessed with her iPad lettering. Even though I'm like absolutely not into Apple, I'm like, I have an Android phone and a PC by choice, so I really don't want to like get into the ecosystem of Apple. But I was like, it felt the same way that it felt with the iPod many, many years ago. I was like, all right, I think I need to get this thing. <laughs> and um, so for my birthday in 2016, I got myself an iPad Pro, like the, the small one, the 9.7 inch. It was just so much fun. I was like, since I was a lot always into technology, it just felt like that's like my thing. Um, and then there's Procreate, which is like the main app uh, for lettering digitally. And they had a handbook and it seemed like no one on Instagram seemed to have read that handbook. But I just downloaded it and was like, all right, I'm going to like master this thing in one day. Um, since I had my day off, I was just like swallowing everything up and... Um, learning how to make brushes as well. I was really into this brush making. And like by the end of the week, I think I had made 30 brushes or so. Okay. Um, and I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm really good at this. <laughs> like the brushes really work. I was really bad at lettering, but I was definitely good at making brushes. I, I felt like that's something I can do. Are you selling any of those brushes? Because I, I am. Yeah? Yeah, they're on, my uh, they're on my website. There's almost 300 brushes. Okay. Um, by now, um, and I think half of them are like free because whenever I use the Procreate library to make brushes, I feel like I don't want to charge for it because it's not shapes that I use. So these are free to download, and then there's a lot of them that I just made like to be like a pointed nib or having stripes or doing shadows by themselves. Awesome! Um, That's super awesome. Yeah, and yeah, I made a lot of those. Like from what you are saying, do you mean that uh, you are like a hundred percent self-taught until until today? Like you haven't uh, studied anything like more like deeper, like go to a workshop or get some books or any guidance? 
I have, I have. That came like after. Um, so I had um, done this iPad lettering, and through iPad lettering, I actually met Paul Antonio. So um, I think he was, he posted like something about um, having an iPad or trying an iPad at the workshop that he was taught teaching like in the Philippines or so. Um, and he had um, done some of that lettering with it. And because at that time I had like opened an Etsy shop and I was like, all right, I just need to like sell everyone my brushes and tell everyone about brushes. And if they needed help with Procreate, I could help. And um, even though I didn't know a lot about calligraphy, I definitely knew who Paul Antonio was. So I was like, all right, that's like my moment to like tell him that I know something. <laughs> and um, I commented about it. And I think we talked briefly about brushes. Um, but I don't really know how much happened like between those months. That was like pretty early on in my iPad lettering journey. And that was also before I really got into point of pen myself. But then it was like August or so when I posted um, lettering that was absolutely terrible with an oblique holder doing flourishing. And uh, if you know Paul, you would know what he was going to say. So um, I was like, I think I said something in my caption like, flourishing is hard or something like very simple. And then um, he did a comment and he think, I think I, he said something about like, uh, well, flourishing with an oblique is never a good idea, something along those lines. But the main message of his comment was like, let's make a deal. You teach me that, uh, the iPad and I teach you about calligraphy. <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh, yeah, I'll gladly take that deal. Like not meaning it very seriously, just like assuming that maybe he would send me a message and help me or something. Um, but then like 15 minutes later, he invited me to actually come to London. So I was like, uh, yeah, all right, I'm going to book a flight. So um, we set a date and in November I was going to fly there. But I didn't really do any preparation. So I didn't do any research or like read books or anything. I was just like, I do modern calligraphy. I don't have to follow rules, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what was going on in my mind. Um, but then November came and I flew over. And um, I think Paul showed me how to make a ruling pen out of a cola can and I got to use his ruling pen, which made me want to get a ruling pen really bad. And um, he, he made me do like brush drills where he taught me how he holds his brush. And he had me like draw two straight lines and then like do a weight transition. So start thin, then thick, then go back to thin. And I feel like I did that for hours and I was just struggling and really bad. It was probably not hours, but it felt like it. And then like in the evening, he said, all right, now pick up a pen and let's see what you can do. And I picked up a pen and he was like, oh God, you really don't know anything. <laughs> and that was the moment when I realized he's actually right, which is really weird because I like research everything that I do and I teach myself a lot, but I hadn't really done that for calligraphy up until this point. Um, but yeah, having Paul Antonio tell you that you suck is like pretty motivational. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, I was like, all right, I think I need to change the way that I approach calligraphy. And that's what I did. So when I came home, I was just, all right, I'm going to look into copper plate and look into how to use a grid and just basically apply those rules to modern calligraphy. Um, I think by now my modern script looks a lot like copper plate. So yeah, yeah people have. I was actually thinking yeah. that you do some. It's either like a copper plate or something similar. Because yeah. I'm like, yeah, I've only seen copper plate like online and like if Paul yeah. or some other people we meet, then they do it. But mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, I'm afraid of pointed uh, nips. Like, 
have I have a bunch of them. I have a very beautiful, yeah. like uh, unique handcrafted like holders. But oh, uh, yeah. they're I'm just admiring them, and that's it. Like uh, I'm I'm afraid yeah. of pointed pen. I don't know. Like uh, it's 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 very different, and it's to me yeah. it seems very hard because. What I fell in love with calligraphy was like a gothic and fracture. Yeah. And this is like yeah. a pilot, a broad edge nips. And mm -hmm. I've been doing this since the beginning. And like yeah. when I try sometimes something with the pointed nip, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel when I try to do broad edge stuff. Because I was like, I'm going to learn fracture, but it just sucks every time I try it. So I... I never do it, so I definitely know how you feel because I feel like I have that same feeling towards the the broad edge ones. But that's strange because I, I think yeah. I, that's super strange. I, I really believe like uh, fracture and gothic and like anything that's with broad edge nip, it's much easier. Like because I know with the pointed nip, you have to have like control of the pressure and yeah. uh, all this kind of stuff. Sometimes you just get yeah. to float your hand and it's it's like what it's like a whole encyclopedia to use to my hand like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's weird, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I just never, I never get the angle right. I can do like a 55 degree angle for copper plate right now. I'm pretty good at that. But doing anything different, like a different angle is just weird. <laughs> okay. I'm really bad at that. Huh. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's interesting to hear. Yeah. And uh, like, uh, other than Paul, what were the sources you were using to like uh, properly learn? I think um, I did a lot of like um, Googling. So I know Paul says, go to the library, look at the library. But I was just, I, I Google for a living. So um, whenever we have like a problem with programming, we Google and I'm pretty good at that. So I was like, I'm just going to deep dive into like Flickr and stuff. So I found a lot of old manuals. Um, I think the, the script that I liked most was from like a Spanish uh, calligrapher. Um, he was like Valicierco or something. Um, he has this book on Flickr. It's all in Spanish and I don't speak Spanish. Um, but it just had like the basic strokes and I really liked his alphabet a lot. So I was like, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to focus mostly on that whenever I try to do like cover plate. <laughs> um, I also got like Eleanor Winter's book. But to be honest, I just don't really like her script. I think her script looks a little bit dated. And um, so I read her book and I think her book has great information on it, but it just didn't feel like a reference <laughs> that, because I didn't want my script to look like that. I know that sounds like really bad. No, really but why? Like, <laughs> like we're people, like everybody likes different yeah. things. Like you can like something yeah. and the other person can hate it. Like we're just, yeah. it, it's, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing that you're saying it like. Yeah, but I think a lot of people still consider that to be like the best resource to learn copper plate and like the English style. Um, no, I think the best yeah. source to learn copper plate is uh, the copper plate manual of Paul Antonio, yeah. the yin and yang yeah, approach. It definitely is. It definitely is. I like the fact that it's mostly like a textbook. So it feels a lot very technical and uh, it looks a lot like my geometry textbooks and it's really nerdy and I love it. But I've heard people don't like it because people... A lot, oftentimes people feel way too artsy for it and they feel like that's science and I don't want to do science. I've heard some of that and I don't get it because science is so much easier. Yeah, you know what I think is the problem? I think the problem, like those people who think this way are people who haven't been so long into calligraphy 
and haven't yeah. learned yet the what's like important in calligraphy and what's beautiful and uh, yeah. like all these things about the rules because I remember myself in like the first one two years doing calligraphy yeah. masters I liked like uh, traditional calligraphy and stuff that uh, Paul does and other people do mm -hmm. but I was like okay that's beautiful but that's it like what 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 was this like why yeah <laughs> like it's it's yeah. it's 21st century like what what made me fall in love with calligraphy was the mm -hmm. pilot parallel pen uh, review by Tius one and what yeah. I, what i loved about it it was like this super awesome gothic style with uh, his yeah. own touch and i was like that's it man like what is this this, yeah. this thing is boring like uh yeah <laughs> but then you know with the time when you when you're like longer and go deeper into mm -hmm. calligraphy it becomes your life you start yeah. to have different values and to appreciate it and understand why Definitely. you need it. Yeah, that's the same for me with Spencerian. When I first saw Spencerian, I was like, what the hell is this ugly script? <laughs> and uh, now I really do not know why I couldn't really appreciate the beauty of it, but I just didn't like it and I didn't see why people were spending time writing it. Uh, which is so weird now because I think it's one of the prettiest scripts and I definitely want to learn it, but I didn't like it at first. And also, I always preferred like the modern calligraphy that was like bouncy and all over the place to like traditional copper plates, and now I'm completely different. So it's weird how, as I said, once you like really train your eye to it, you can see all the beauty in it. Yeah. That seems boring first. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what were uh, your biggest struggles when you were like uh, learning and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think the, the very biggest struggle was um, getting materials because it, it takes like a lot of money to like buy stuff because in Switzerland you have to just like get everything from overseas um, because there wasn't anything available. Um, I know a lot of people struggle with like the language barrier here in Switzerland as well. Like a lot of people that um, I've been like pretty much in, in pretty involved in like the local community here and a lot of people say well I don't know English well enough to teach myself and um, I think that is a problem for quite a few people. Um, I never really had that problem with like my English but when I was trying to do like uh, to learn with that Spanish manual I realized how it feels. So I think that can be a struggle. Um, I always had like ink blobbing on me and that was before I really researched what different inks do. Um, but then I found out that I just need to get good walnut ink and good paper and I need to like... That was one thing that Paul taught me that I never realized. Um, if you dip your ink, uh, your pen in your ink and then directly start writing, you will not get good lines. And then you just give it a little shake like that and it takes one of those drops off and then you're good to write. And that blew my mind when Paul was like, oh, you shake that off. I never really thought about that. Um, yeah, getting smooth paper, um, then you can really write. And I had a lot of bad ink that was bleeding all over the place. And I would just not be able to use a grid well. And um, that was because I, I think I, I saw everybody use the Rhodia papers with a dot grid. And I was trying to write on that dot grid. But it's really hard to like see the lines uh, when you're trying to write straight. So um, at one point I was just like, oh, I'm going to make my grids. Uh, so I pulled up Illustrator and made some grids that were a lot, um, like had a lot um, smaller space between the slant lines than um, like um, downloads I had found on the internet. So I think the grid that I make looks pretty similar to the one that Paul has. So it's very, very narrow. 
and that helped me a lot. I think the that Spanish manual also had a pretty narrow grid, so it was a lot easier to like do the spacing right um, with the letters. And um, like the width of the letters is just always something that I struggled with. Um, but I feel like mostly just studying the script really helped me. Uh, like not even just writing it, so ju so just looking at it and trying to figure out the differences. Um, like you mentioned Paul's manual, there was, um, ha he has this one section where he compares the straight to the oblique holder. And when I first looked at it, I was like, I don't see the difference. <laughs> and now if I look at it, I can really clearly see all of the differences that he pointed out. And I feel like knowing that's how close I need to look, that was something that was really like a moment where I was like, all right, I need to look a lot closer at my script than I did before. That's why I really don't like my script at the moment, because I'm looking really closely at it. And um, I see all the flaws in it, but, um, but that's yeah, good. that was something. Yeah, that's good. That's definitely how you improve. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, do you, how, how, how much time were you putting into practice back then? And uh, how much practice do you do our days? And how important is practice to you? All right, so um, I did a lot more practice back then than I do now because um, I was like starting calligraphy when I was studying and I started working full time this year. So um, back then I, I was just like off a lot of the time and I would do like at least one to two hours every day. Um, but I think I practiced pretty wrongly, <laughs> to be honest. I did a lot of like um, playtime, so I was just writing random words. Um, I didn't never really fill pages of just one stroke. Um, I still honestly don't really do that because I'm too too lazy and too impatient to just fill one page with O's. Um, I always admire people who can do that. I never could do that. That's also why I always say I could never be like a traditional calligrapher because addressing 500 envelopes on the same paper with the same nib, with the same ink, I could never do that. It's also when I practice, I like I have like, I think... 10 different pen holders by now okay and um i use all of them during one practice session so i'll just like do like 50 minutes with that holder and then i will change to the other holder because i get bored of it so fast um what's your top what's what's your top three favorite uh, holders to use um i have uh three by yoke pen company actually that i really like <laughs> Um, uh, he really makes great uh, great uh, holders. I have two by Kalemkis. I think you know him. He made a really cool seal for you. I have um, two of I him really as well. Those. Yeah, one I is really with the set. Those. Yes, with the stamp. It's like this, like yeah. mind blowing. That's really pretty. Um, I think I found him through like uh, a friend who got a holder, and I was like, "Stop everything! I need to know who made that." <laughs> um, and I like immediately ordered mine. Um, I also really like the run from um, Miles Calligraphy. Okay. Um, he's uh, from Turkey as well. Um, I just really like the thinner pens. I know Ink Me This makes really thick pens that are really popular in the um, modern calligraphy community. And I think they're great if you have a really tight grip because they just don't allow you to grip as much. Um, but I have one of hers. It has like coffee in it and clear resin. It's really cool. Um, but I honestly gravitate towards the thinner pens. I just like thinner pens more. And um, since Yoke Pen Company makes like custom ones to like your size exactly, they're just the most comfortable to use. I see. And I have another one coming from him, so I really like his work. Then uh, can you tell me your three favorite nips to use and to I write can. with? 
Um, I think my number one favorite nib is the Gilot 303, which is a really bitchy nib most of the time, so it likes to really stick to paper and hang, but it just makes the thinnest hairlines ever, and I really love hairlines, so it's just my favorite. Um, then I uh, love the Hunt 22, which is the one Paul uses for his manual, and um, it's also the one that uh, I would recommend to everyone beginning, because I know a lot of people recommend the G-nibs, but G-nibs are really, really rigid, and you have to press a lot to get a shade, and that really means if you, I feel like if you write with the Gilo, uh, with you, if you want to write with the Gilof 303, you cannot practice with a G-nib, because you need, like, so little pressure for like a really soft nib and if you learn with the g-nib you just won't get there i think so i feel like the the hunt 22 is a really good in between that will teach you pressure control better than like a g-nib but g-nibs are great for like writing on textured paper and if, i always say if you have a bad day uh, as a beginner you can take that nib and it will give you okay results <laughs> so um i always feel like if you start, you get three nibs, get the Hunt 22 to really teach you how to write, get the G-nib for when you're frustrated, and get a Hunt 101 if you want to challenge yourself. Because the Hunt 101 is really soft, um, but it, it is not as like difficult to use than the 303. It's a little bit more forgiving because it's a little bit thicker. Yeah, that, that's what I wanted to ask, is like, uh, as a person who is like uh, not doing pointed pen uh, work, I wanted to know, is it easier to start with a, how, how did you say it, like a, it's a softer nib? Yeah. Is, I don't know, soft, um, does softer, is, is the same as uh, flexible or not really? Um, yeah, it's a little bit difficult to like distinguish those two because I feel like um, flexibility, some I, or like not flexibility, like soft was in springiness is something else. So there's like um, nibs that are really, really soft, like the rose nib by Brause, which is really soft and it is not springy at all. So it doesn't spring back as fast. So it's a lot harder to do transitions well. Um, but then there's really springy nibs, like the 303 or the Lunar Principle, which is also really springy. So it just springs back a lot faster after you like um, push on it. The nibs come back faster together. Um, and as a beginner, I would say definitely look that you get a very springy nib. Like the G-nibs are also really springy, because usually when you begin, you write a lot too fast. Um, like writing too fast, no problem. So uh, a lot of people write really fast, and if you have a really soft nib that is not springy at all, you will get terrible transitions. So never use a rose nib as a beginner. Generally, don't never use that nib. I really hate it. Um, but uh, softness, I'd say don't go too soft at the beginning. Go something in the middle, like a hundred twenty-two, or like um, the the blue pumpkin nib. That's also one a lot of people like. It's also like an in-between thing. But what I think is a little bit difficult with the with the Blue Pumpkin or the Leonard 41, they're like the same kind of look, but they're different brands. Um, these are made for like stenography, which is um, writing uh, really quickly. Okay. And I feel like um, because they were made for like writing really quickly, they can flex a lot more than you should. So I always have problems with using those nibs because I want to apply more pressure because I feel like it can spread more, but they actually cannot spread that much. So you can, could put more pressure on it, but you shouldn't um, because it can really lead to like those blobs. How, how often do you break pointed nibs? 
because like uh, I I use only broad edge nibs. I have pointed, yeah. but never use them. And I honestly think I I never broke like broken any of my broad edge nibs. But I've heard from people that like you know uh, a pointed nib after a time either you can't use it or at some point it breaks. Yeah, um, I've once had a nib explode on me, so um, the tine just like came off. It was a vintage nib. It was a really nice nib. Um, but I was like trying for my blog to do um, uh, my entire nib collection, which by, by that time it was like a manageable job. By now I have like over 100 or 150 or so. So I have a lot. And for I real? And I do it again. Yeah. Oh, but now, like now that I hear this, I think this, this should be a super awesome and interesting video, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, damn, yeah, that's be. like 100. No, like I got hooked. Seriously. It's definitely over 100 by now, I think. I've, I've broken some. I've broken some, um, but I've done like um, this blog post where I have like I think 50 or so reviewed like the most most modern nibs and I did like this chart where I would just like push as fast as I as much as I can like how much is the entire range of that nib and during that one of them exploded and um, one time broke off and um, it was just vanished after that um, I like found it when I was moving out of the apartment, I literally stepped on it. So it was just lost for an entire year under like um, a book book uh, shelf. But it was just broken off entirely. It's just like this little triangle thing that's really sharp. Um, but that was, I broke that because it applied too much pressure. Um, now what can happen is that you can misalign the tines a lot faster. That's a lot of people um, who like don't really hold their nibs right. They will try to like hold their nibs straight, but right slanted. So then you will apply more pressure onto one of those tines and one of them will get used more. So it will be like uh, crooked at the, at, the, at the end. Yeah. Or it will just like, sometimes they also like um, go on top of each other as well. So then you cannot no longer write. Um, also, if you use iron gall ink, which is like a very acidic ink, it will just become more brittle and break more easily. So I've had one nib that I used with iron gall ink for like a month or so. It was just like, it was literally like falling apart in the end. I actually think I never used like uh, iron gall ink, like never, like uh, mostly I've worked with like uh, watercolors, then yeah. also from time to time... Uh Indian Indian mm-hmm. black or like some Chinese black yeah. and that's it like I also have some uh, gouache from Royal Talents yeah. but yeah, uh, awesome. but I never I never tried like this uh, iron gold. I yeah, I remember um, even when we had the websites still running at Calligraphy Masters, I, I once uploaded a, a tutorial how to make yourself like uh, iron go mm-hmm. ink but mm-hmm. uh, I never did it and never tried it so yeah, um, it's a really nice ink. I like. Um, there's one calligrapher in Switzerland that's like in Basel, and he makes his own iron gall ink. So I bought that pretty early on, and it gives you beautiful hairlines. Um, but if it is a traditional recipe, so there's fountain pen inks that are also iron gall, but they're not as much acidity to it. I think there's one from um, Rova und Klingler from this German brand. They have one that's also an iron gall ink, but it's not like a traditional iron gall. Um, but also Yoke Pen Company makes iron gall inks based on like, I think he has one from a Japanese recipe, one from um, Arnold, I think it was called Arnold's Writing Fluid, and one from Madrat. I do not know how to pronounce that name. 
um, he makes this small batch historic inks and I think I got like three from him and one from that guy in, in Basel. He, um, and I really like that one. And um, they are really, really aggressive, but they make beautiful lines. They're really matte black and they are waterproof as well. Um, but after I got like that first one from Basel, I like used it and I just saw my nibs falling apart and like be needing replacement and back then I just bought like single nibs so I was like I'm not gonna spend $20 on shipping if I break it so fast so I just stopped using it um, but after like later on like two years later I decided to like get them back because they are just the hairlines are just so pretty um, but yeah, they break, they break nibs easily and they're really thin as well I think a lot of people do not like them because they're so so thin, they're like water. But I personally really like things. so... Uh, how long did it took you to make this collection of uh, around or over 100 nibs? And uh, have you written with each one of them? Or some of them are just for the purpose of collection? Um, I've written with all of them. I've even written with like the, the Leonard, how is it called? Leonard? Like the Principality? Yeah. And like, I don't, I think I have like, uh, Vitolo calls these like the dream point nibs. There's like five or so. I think I have four. I think I have four of those. So I don't have all of them, but um, I don't use those for writing, to be honest. Um, so Why not? I have one of each. Why don't um, you use them? Because I want to frame them at one point. I really like to have like a little frame with just a dream point snip once I got all of them and want to hang them above my pen collection somewhere. So um, I want, I, and I got all of those as a gift. So um, I've, I've had different people send them to me, so I didn't buy them myself. Can you, just, um, can you wait just a second, yeah. please? Because while yeah. we were talking, I, I came up with a cool idea project to talk with you later or okay. soon, but oh, this is going to be nice. <laughs> uh, just to write it because I'm gonna forget otherwise. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, and then I just like, I think I, st I started collecting those very early on, like before I met Paul. So in my first year of like writing, I already like started hoarding. I mean, like, I have like this entire PVC thing that's full of brush pens. So I'm really a pen hoarder. Um, and the nibs don't take as much space, but I really have a lot of pens. And I bought, like, because I had to pay $20 shipping, I was like, I'm gonna not pay $20 shipping for one nib. So I'm gonna buy all of them. Um, but I didn't really buy boxes of nibs, so I just bought, like, singles or two of them. And that guy from Basel sells vintage nibs and singles, so I got a lot of them from him. Then there's also this website, kalipos.de, which is um, a German site. It also has a lot of different vintage nibs. I got some sent from like calligraphy friends and uh, I think I have found a few on a flea market. Like I had this one time I was really lucky at a flea market and found the, the Perry 28, which um, I never realized was really popular, but apparently it's really popular and it sells for like five to 10 bucks a piece. And I bought like, I had like this little box full of them for like five Swiss francs. So I was really excited about that because I never get lucky with buying nips. I al always spend a lot of money on it. Um, but that was a cool one. Um, otherwise, we just have like um, a lot of monoline and broad edge nips in Switzerland because that was what was used. So there is not a lot of point of pen history here and you can really tell that.
But do you have any like uh, different broad edge nibs? Because like the ones I know are Browse, uh, then Speedbow, and uh, I'm not sure if if Mitchell has. Uh, I think they have, but I think for broad edge nibs, I don't know many brands. Um, Sonicen, do you know? There's also Sonicen. They do. Um, there's a lot of like monoline nibs that they have done, um, but they also have a few broad edge. I think I have a few broad edge. Yeah, but my point is, my point is, do you have any special brands of uh, broad edge nibs in Switzerland that are not um, so I common? Think there's a few. There's a, there's a few Swiss brands. There were like um, mostly in the French speaking region, and um, that were invented for like Ronde, which is that um, I think uh, David you writes it. L like Ronde or or Rotunda, because there is a script called Rotunda, and. Or? Oh, it's the French one. The French one. I'm not exactly. Um, oh, that might be. It might be Rotunda. I'm not sure, honestly. I'm not that well versed with those scripts. Um, but um, there's those. But I don't remember how they were called. I think I have like one of those boxes somewhere that is a Swiss brand. But I'm not sure if they have um, broad edge nibs as well. But I'm gonna look the next time I'm at uh, at a flea market and tell you. Uh yeah, <laughs> I had some questions, but they jumped. Like yeah. that's that's <laughs> that that's the bad thing when I'm not prepared. Yeah. And yeah, I, I told you, but like people don't know, guys. I'm sorry, but today I'm extra exhausted and tired, and my energy might be a little a bit down. But sorry for this. It's it's all sacrifice for this wonderful podcast. <laughs> what 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 do you think actually about the podcast? You said you were, you have listened to some of the podcasts. Yeah, I really like it. I really enjoy it. I really like to like hear people's stories and I really like that there are pretty like long episodes because I feel like oftentimes when you hear like um, calligraphers talk about their story, it's always really brief and short and it's just like it never goes really deep because it's mostly just done for like regular media and not for calligraphy people. And um, I really enjoy it. I, I really like hearing like stories because you never really get to hear them otherwise. Yeah. Well, I do them because I don't know, like, I, I myself am this way and I believe that, like, uh, when you see, like, the journey of somebody else, like, what and how he done it, like, you can uh, get stuff that you like and you can learn something that can be useful for different people, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think pretty much this is the biggest reason the podcast to be around, like, the journey yeah. of each artist and uh, how he went through it and what's going on with yeah. it and it's also so different for everyone like and also i really love how the differences are between like the different types of calligraphy like the sign painter stories and the hand lettering people it's just different for everyone and i really enjoy that yeah but i uh, i just wanted to know because like so far like it first of all it's totally new thing to me like uh, mm -hmm. so far like today i've launched episode five and uh, in the first two, three episodes, it was uh, super weird because, like, I don't know, mm -hmm. it's something totally new for me. Yeah. But then uh, I saw, like, all the guests being super, like, uh, happy about it, very good feedback. Yeah. And then uh, also the people who are listening. And this uh, motivated me even more to do, yeah. like, more pod podcasts, uh, more people, more mm -hmm. stories. Yeah. And I have actually have some uh, secret uh, guests, which I haven't announced, but... I'm so hyped awesome about them. <laughs> well, they're like, to me, they're like, like uh, super masters. And uh, yeah, uh, oh, that's cool. I don't believe that uh, they even said yes for a podcast. So yeah. I was 
That's super awesome, Blown man. <laughs> yeah. I like I wanna scream and tell everybody like about it, but then yeah. <laughs> I prefer like to be a total like a surprise, you know, when I launch it yeah. and nobody has expected it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, so that's why I ask is I'm wondering how it's in the people because yeah. I'm only here talking and it's like I do yeah. it every day and uh, at, at some point I become like a robot. I, I listen to the story yeah. and think, but mm-hmm. I don't know how the the other people get uh, the episodes because even when I when we talk, that's what we what I hear. But then when I edit, mm-hmm. I ed- yeah. I don't listen the whole episode when I'm editing. Yeah. I, I'm just setting up some things, yeah. get, trying to match, and I don't listen to the episodes. So maybe yeah. maybe I should <laughs> I maybe know. I should try to listen to one of them, but. Then there is the thing I don't really like hearing myself talk in English. Yeah. Especially when when I edit like, oh, and I think it's getting better. But like the first two, three episodes, I'm editing and then I'm clicking at the part where I'm speaking and I hear some some shit and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? (laughs) Why? Why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. But it gets better with some time. Like at the beginning, I was doing all of these Instagram stories. Whenever I would get new stuff, I would do like hauls in my Instagram stories. And it was like, I don't want to listen to myself. But it's getting better with time. No, but that that's the thing. It's, I think it's good if you don't like something. Uh, like, for example, me hearing myself talking this way. Because mm-hmm. usually like you talk every day and with different people. But yeah. to hear yourself, you don't uh, realize it, you know? And once yeah. you, once you realize it, okay, you're like very like you feel cringy and stuff like this. Yeah. But then at the same point, you're like, okay, I should uh, be careful about this, and I should uh, do this this way and this this way. Yeah, you can critique yourself. Yeah, and you can uh, learn from it and improve. Yeah. But uh, I don't think today is one of those days that I'm gonna uh, <laughs> learn anything from it. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> seriously, I'm so tired. Yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's talk a bit. Oh yeah, sorry. Like yeah, my mind is going a bit uh, weird. But <laughs> you said earlier you started with writing stories uh, like before calligraphy, and I was wondering when you started calligraphy, did you make like any of the stories or did you write any stories in in calligraphy? Um, I do write quotes sometimes. Like I, I have sometimes. Um, sometimes I'm writing stories, and I feel like, oh, right, I really like that sentence. Um, but I, I obviously writing German because it's like my mother tongue. So um, sometimes I feel like I really like that sentence, and I might try to translate it to like English and see if it works without context, and then I would put it on my feed. But um, most of the time, I'm like really critical of my writing. Like really critical. Like, back when I was, like, 15, I was in this internet forum, I would post my stories online. And um, it's, like, the same thing with calligraphy. The, the, the longer you do it, the more critical you get. Even though you get better, you just don't like it as much. And now I'm really just, like, I, I really should put more of my writing out there, but I don't really do. Um, but, yeah, sometimes I will do, like, um, I, will, I will post some of the quotes that I write, but not much. Sometimes I do, like... When, whenever I like print it out because there's like one or two people that like get to read my stories at the time so whenever I like print it out or like just send it over I will do like a cover design where I do a little bit of lettering on it but um, other than that I keep those pretty separate yeah so you're well, like... I do write my captions on Instagram so somehow some of the writing has translated into like the, the calligraphy but not not a lot I see 
So you said you're like three years into calligraphy, which actually yeah. surprised me because uh, I, I thought for some reason that uh, you're doing calligraphy much longer. I guess you, you've improved like in a good Thank way. <laughs> But uh, my point is like, you're like still considered quite uh, a beginner in calligraphy, like in the field of yeah. calligraphy. And uh, I want to know, do, like, do you have... Uh, any styles that you're willing to learn and that you have like as a goal because right now you're like doing something like copper plate more like a modern thing but yeah. do you have an idea or are you willing to learn any other styles maybe even some styles with broad edge nip or just some other specific scripts yeah um i i really want to learn spencerian i even got like an oblique holder just to learn spencerian Um, I have like started learning Spencerian, I got some resources, but uh, at the moment I'm just really busy working, so I don't really have a lot of time and it's very different to like the style that I do, so it um, it's a lot of like mind work, but I definitely want to learn Spencerian. I actually have uh, a, I actually have a episode with uh, Mike Ward. Oh yeah, he's awesome. And, uh, and also Tio Swan has told me some things about him like mm -hmm. uh, and about his practice and uh, yeah. I think the episode with him will be very interesting to me, myself, and I guess to many people as well. Yeah. But yeah, he's very great uh, with uh, Spencerian and I guess uh, he will share some useful stuff for people yeah. who are willing yeah. to uh, learn it. But uh, so far, I think like the best thing is maybe the Zenerian manual. Maybe there mm -hmm. is some info about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have one of those um, really old school Uh, instruction books. I also have the traditional Spencerian books, like the one where that were like for children in school back when it was still like the cursive that they taught. It's okay. like the really old school Spencerian. Um, it doesn't have like any flourishing at all. It's really basic. Um, it's like five little booklets. Um, and I started to fill those out, but I never really did a lot with it. Another script that I am learning though is Italian Hand, which is um, mostly just taught by Heather Held. Um, and she's she's awesome. She does also like, uh, beautiful, intricate illustrations with like flowers and gilding. Um, and um, there's not a lot of resources about it. So there's basically nothing about Italian hand. But I just really love that script. And I've, I've been writing it. Um, other than Spencerian, I feel like I can somehow kind of write a modern version of it. Um, but yeah, I've actually written Heather Held some emails and asked her if she could just like give me feedback on it. Um, which she gladly did, which was really nice. Um, and she was like, yeah, you should do that and that. But um, I think she has the opinion that it's really just trying to incorporate it in your style. So that feels a lot like more loose and easier to get into than Spencerian, which is a very strict, like, this is how you do it. You have to move your entire arm and everything like that. So I feel like Italian hand is a little bit easier to get into and there's not a lot of people doing it. So um, I just really like it. Also, I'm like half Italian, so I feel like maybe some of my heritage could be incorporated um, because there's like no, no like Swiss script or anything that I could learn. Um, I tried to learn Courant, which is the, um, the German script that was around. And this is also the reason why there's no point of pen in, uh, in Switzerland and Germany. You probably never heard of it. No, I I, I, of it. I'm just wondering. I was like, what? what? Like, like yeah, I was trying um, to... It's like... Um, Have you seen the double S the Germans use? Uh, it looks like a B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a beta. That, was, that is actually one of the remaining letters from the current script. 
Um, it was like a different alphabet than uh, the Latin alphabet that was written in, in uh, the German-speaking world, like in Germany, in Switzerland, in Austria, some parts of Denmark as well, and um, the, the Netherlands. And um, that developed like completely separately from the, um, the rest of the European countries. So um, they started like way earlier developing that script. And then at the time when like the point of pen was invented, they started using the point of pen for it. But then they moved away from the point of pen back to like the broad edge to write that script, which is why there's no point of pens left here because they just ditched them because they were too hard to use. And then when World War II happened, um, they were actually forbidden. So they stopped teaching current. They just taught the Latin script. So there's not many people able to read it or write it. And I found this one website that um, has like a huge manual on learning current okay. um, and also a version of writing it with a pointed pen with like different weights. But can you see the, the whole alphabet there? Mm-hmm. And, uh, There's the entire letters. Where, where can I and people find it? Um, I think it was called like um, Kurrent Lernen, which is a uh, learning current for German. Okay. Um, I think they also have like an English website. If I can find it, I'll I'll send you. Yeah, I think like after the history. after the podcast, if you send me the link, uh, yeah. it will be great. I will put the link in the YouTube video, yeah. like people not listening or watching this on YouTube, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah. the link will be in, on YouTube. So yeah, yeah, that'd be cool if you yeah. can send it. Because yeah, I'm 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 also really interested to to see it because mm -hmm. uh, like. It looks really weird. It looks it's really hard to read, but I really want to learn it because I think it's really cool. And everybody also always talks about like Faktua because that's like the script that we still know about the German area, but not about Kurrent because it was just like forbidden because um I think Hitler said it's like the the letters of the Jews. So he was like we forbid that. And I I think it really sucks that Faktua was like not lost after that but after world war ii no one speaks about Kurrent anymore it's really sad i think because it's such a cool script you really made me now curious because like uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love fracture is like uh, the thing yeah. that i'm doing probably most of the time and mm -hmm. and now that you're talking about this this way i'm really curious to see it like i'm yeah. you're really interested to see it yeah if you look at paul's manual there's um like different scripts at the beginning from different countries and there's one labeled Sitalin. Sütterlin with okay. S, um, and that's actually from that alphabet because Sütterlin was the one that like took the script and developed a version for it for like school to be taught in the schools. Okay, I'll check it. I have I have the menu like I went through the pages, but yeah. uh, I haven't uh, been uh, deeper in it like yet. And yeah, yeah, I don't Me know. Neither. <laughs> Which is why my I feel like my script I still call it modern script because I really want to learn copper play properly. And I'm really just waiting for like Paul's Facebook class where he's like going to be doing all those lessons and you're to practice because I really want to learn like properly and like really strictly and just follow it accurately. Um, so I've read the manual like a couple of times, but I never really did good practice with it. You read the whole manual? Yeah. For real? Yeah. Damn. I always read the... And whenever I like get a book, I just read it. Well, th that's like funny because uh, I usually read quite a lot of books, but uh, mm -hmm. I read books and uh, not calligraphy books, you know? Yeah. Usually the calligraphy books I have, for example, the calligrapher's Bible, I open yeah. this book only on the pages, like mm -hmm. where are the alphabets to see the... Yeah. And that's it. 
I, I haven't read anything from the actual text that's explaining stuff and things. Yeah. And, and, and that's crazy. Like, I'm like... Yeah, I like doing my research now. Yeah, like, but... I feel like I have to make up for that first year. I didn't do any research. Now I just do all of the research. But I feel like uh, very bad because like, uh, I'm like the founder and uh, the editor of Calligraphy Masters and I'm supposed to have uh, to be like uh, more like... Uh, how it says professional and to research <laughs> stuff and uh, but they're just humans. <laughs> I don't think all of the all of the people have read read all of those books, and that's one of the few books that I just read like cover to cover. I also read the the one from Eleanor Winters, and like the modern calligraphy books that some of my friends have written. I read all of those like completely, but other than that, I don't really read all of those books that I have. I don't have as many either. What's your top three favorite uh, calligraphy or lettering books? My favorite lettering books, um, definitely the Copperfield Manual by Paul Antonio. Um, and then let me just look. I, I do have like my books over there, which is why I'm looking. Um, I really like the Universal Penman for reference. Um, I bought that book like pretty late, but I really like it for referencing like um, flourishing, especially. Um, and then. I don't have that many books actually. Okay. I think probably those Pensirian books. In, I really in, like those. in this case, like, uh, what do you think uh, makes a calligraphy or lettering book a good one? A good one. I think if it gives you new information, like okay. information that is not available on the internet for free. Because I feel like there's so much information on the internet where there's like, there's video accompanying it. So it's definitely like offering you more value than like just a typical book because it like actually shows you how to write a letter than just telling you how to do it. And what I really like about Paul's book is that he gives you like a completely different approach to lettering than like what other people taught before him. I really like when there's like examples of not, of how you not don't do it, like bad examples, because oftentimes they're like, try to make it look like that. And then giving you like examples of if your letter looks like that, then it's wrong. You need to correct that way. So I feel like if it offers that to you, that's a really good book. Um, I personally also really like it when they're well written. I really enjoy good writing. So whenever I, I feel like there's so many books out there that are terribly written and it's, it somehow annoys me because... I'm a writer, so... Okay, yeah, yeah, you're, you're a writer and, like, uh, yeah. I struggle with this, like, when the website was still available. I mean, it, mm -hmm. will, it will be soon again, but my mm -hmm. point is, like, i never been a, a studied a journalist, uh, journalism yeah. or anything like this. Mm -hmm. And actually, everything that I'm doing uh, with Calligraphy Masters, no matter what it is, I'm yeah. self-taught. Like, I learned it on, yeah. the, on the go and, and yeah. I was struggling very long time for the blog posts because... Yeah. I know I don't know how to make them good and yeah. what to do, but I was just just writing whatever I felt. But if you're offering good information, it doesn't matter so much. I feel like the most problem is that most of the books that are out there that I don't really think are really good don't offer new information or aren't really curated well. So they just like have some kind of information that's also in a blog post. And if it, if it was written well... I would be all right and I would still read it. Okay, but, but you you you're a writer. Give me some <laughs> tips like uh, if I if I write a blog post or just some small story like what to do to write it like as you consider it a good uh, text or story or whatever. I think if it feels like a conversation is nice. 
Like if you incorporate the person reading it, I, that's just like my personal opinion. I feel like some people really don't like my way of writing blog posts, but um, I really like like writing to a person and talking to them and incorporating the person that's reading and like trying to think what would the reader think after they read what I said and what would their reaction be and just trying to like pick that up and incorporate it and answer it. So I feel like if it answers all the questions that might pop up, like right from the get-go, that's good. Um, also, if it's just like, if it has like a circle, so if you begin with something that's uh, like a little story and if you end with that story, it just makes it more round looking. So writing like an intro a quick introduction and doing like a last words. I don't follow that rule myself all the time, but. In theory, that's how it would be done, I think. And what were the stories you were writing and maybe still writing? I don't know, but what were most of the times they about? What stories have you been writing? Oh, I've, I've, I think I've tried all of it. I've gone through all kinds of genres. So I've always wrote fiction. I never wrote no nonfiction. So I wrote like, um, I think my, one of my first big stories that I like finished was about a girl doing a drug, ha having a drug addiction. That was like, I really liked reading those books when I was a teenager. I really liked how, uh, seeing how, what drove people to like do something like that and how they overcame it. So I wanted to write something like that. Um, I wrote a lot of fantasy when I was reading fantasy. So I wrote about elves and all of that and war. And then I started doing more real life things, just writing about everyday life, like what people doing when they're at uni and stuff. So mostly that. I, I wrote a lot about writers, weirdly, even though I never feel like I wrote stories about myself or people that were like myself. Oftentimes there were writers involved because I just, I don't know. I just really like it because then I could really explore the subject of writing. Like um, there's, I think I always wrote about like, people in the teen years. And there's this one writer who's called John Green. I think you, maybe you know him. He is also on YouTube. And I know, I remember that I really liked his books. They were like really kitschy. Um, but they, he was always criticized for having um, like teenagers that spoke too well. And I think that was one of the things that you could probably say about like stories that I wrote. They were just like too conscious of what they were saying in a way and um, that's why I like like having writers because they have the right to use like more big words and stuff so that's why I probably made all of them writers. Not that I'm saying I'm like knowing a lot of big words but I, I kind of really like, like to explore with language and I feel like I can express myself a lot better on paper than I can on like words um, because I can think about it more. How many pages are usually those stories? Um, between like between 200 and 800 there's a lot of pages wow and there's a lot of stories <laughs> it's over 10 years of writing so um, so you I you you, you have one or more stories that are 800 pages i think i have one with 800 pages and the others are just like around 200 to 400 that's Mostly insane are, like, 300 how long how long time it took you to write this um, well, it depends. I'm like, I always, in November, it's National Novel Writing Month. You might have heard about it. Uh, NaNoWriMo. That's when uh, writers try to write 50,000 words or more in 30 days. Um, 
I've always made it. So I participated like six years. And the first year that I didn't like win and wrote more than 50,000 words was when I met Paul. Um, because I was always constantly doing calligraphy and didn't have time enough to write. But um, I was always like writing those stories. So um, I wrote a lot. There's like times where I just do like, where I write really like, I think the most I've written in the shortest amount of time was like 70,000 words in 15 days or so. What? During holidays. It's, it's crazy. It was full of grammatical errors and it was not good, but it was a story in the end. Whoa. Yeah, it's crazy. That, 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 that's, that's, I know, it's, it's awesome and it's crazy and it's, it's <laughs> mind-blowing, like, super awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was, always, I was always the weird writer girl. Then I was the nerd and now I'm the weird calligrapher. So, in a way, it's just like I have to be weird in a way. Which one do you enjoy more, writing stories or writing calligraphy? I think it's both by now, which is crazy for me to say because... Writing has been like my thing for over 10 years, but I really, really enjoy calligraphy and I've only been doing it for three years. So it really has become like part of my life. Um, yeah, which is really, which I never would have thought that would happen, but it really, it really is part of my life. I also have like a side business doing calligraphy now, which is, which is insane. And if you would have told me that like three years ago, I would have called you crazy. <laughs> I totally understand this because I think I've mentioned also in one of the uh, other episodes that I've recorded, maybe they're still not released, but uh, when I found like calligraphy, like this was like, yeah, this, that's what I've been searching always. And uh, mm -hmm. like, yeah, it clicked everything. But mm -hmm. then I, I never thought that I'm going to find something else that's going to make me feel this way. Mm -hmm. And I found video, like uh, video yeah. filming, video editing. Mm -hmm. I felt so much in love with it. Yeah. And I, I I couldn't have imagined that I'll find, not that I'm just going to find another thing, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it won't stop me from the first one, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I actually found a way to use them both and... Mm -hmm. Combine them all. Yeah, like, life is very funny. Yeah, it's really... Especially funny that in this time, in the 21st century, we can actually, like, earn money doing calligraphy which is insane because it, it feels like calligraphy is dead in so many ways but it really isn't well it was some years ago now yeah. i think like even oh that's so beautiful like yesterday or the day before i i, mm -hmm. I was recording an episode with uh, jake wademan and yeah. he, he said something that it clicked with me so much i was so happy like i got goosebumps from it like yeah. he said he said we're li no I, like should i say it yeah like it should Same. like okay yeah because because the episode uh, will be already released mm -hmm. when uh, mm -hmm. yeah it's okay to say it like he said we are actually living in the renaissance of calligraphy mm -hmm. and just just make like this is the perfect uh, description for me because it yeah. really is like and uh, mm -hmm. i think ne it's never before calligraphy it's been on so high level and so many people yeah. to be interested in it and at the same time doing it and also you can see like last one, two, maybe three years, more and more brands are starting to incorporate it in their uh, yeah. advertising and everything. So mm -hmm. I think it's uh, super awesome. Definitely. It's a great time to be in. Exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> so like earlier you said like you're working full time. I was going to ask if you're working calligraphy, but then now a few moments ago you said now you have a calligraphy business. So... Mm -hmm. 
Can you explain those kind of things? Yeah, so my, my full-time job is front-end developer, so coding websites. I uh, do that 100%, so eight hours a day, a little bit more this time of year, because I work in, like, um, we create annual reports, financial annual reports as a website, and now it's, like, literally season, so I work, like, 10 hours a day at the moment, but it will be, like, more calm and back then, when it will be a little bit more calm, I want to focus a little bit more on my calligraphy thing. Um, but I have like the online shop where I sell the um, digital brushes that I do. I also have like practice sheets where I have like my kind of style because everybody was like asking me to do practice sheets. I made practice sheets. Um, and I do also have the um, yoke pen company Deuce in my shop because there was no one selling it in Europe. And I was like, I don't want people to use the speedball oblique, so I'm going to have to offer that. Um, so I mostly run that shop um, where I earn a little bit of passive income, um, but I also am like doing sometimes um, fairs, like I've worked with um, Stabilo and Tombo, so they are like from the same distributor in Switzerland, and I've been like with them with, on different fairs and trade shows where I just did like demonstrations with brush lettering. And uh, I'm going to start teaching workshops next week actually. So, oh. Uh, yeah. So you never uh, you my... never did a workshop so far? No, I haven't done like a proper workshop where people paid me to come attend it. So um, I've done, uh, during studying, we had this thing which was like um, art tutorials where we would like after school hours have like different people from our class that were doing something creative show us what they did. And I did that like two years in a row where I was just like doing a little introduction into brush lettering. And also I showed some of point to pen, but it was like just more like playing. So brush lettering is definitely easier to explain so quickly. <coughs> Sorry. And um, so I did that. And um, I've also done like a lot of tutorials on like not, well, actually not that many. I've done a few tutorials on YouTube and I've also been teaching like online classes on mostly on like digital stuff, like um, how to create Procreate brushes. There's a Skillshare class on that, on how I create my Procreate brushes. And I really want to do like more on Skillshare where I do a little bit more lettering classes. Um, but first I want to teach like a proper workshop and see how people react and look if I can like do it in time. And once I feel like I have like a method down that works, I want to like translate it and do it digitally. I, I just wanted to ask if you're like, if you, if you're nervous or if, uh, if it's something uh, weird or strange new to you, but mm -hmm. then I, I, apparently it's not because you said you've been <laughs> teaching this and that and that and yeah. I guess uh, yeah, you're I've also <laughs> been like a tech tutor. So um, during like uh, studying, I also like explained people, like helped people with their coding. So I'm, I guess I'm pretty good at explaining. I hope. Uh, I I know I'm good at like explaining computers and stuff. I really want to teach a pro kid class at one point where I do iPad lettering stuff. Um, so it will be interesting to see if I can like convey uh, calligraphy. I'm not too sure. I'm a little bit afraid that I have planned too much content for the three hours that I have. No, don't worry, but I'm pretty sure you will love it because all the people who are doing workshops and I've talked with uh, with them about it, like everybody like uh, loves loves it. Like it's one of the best yeah. things that they are doing. And actually, like I'm also like thinking to start to do some workshops mm -hmm. for beginners of for mm -hmm. Fracture here in Bulgaria. 
Yeah. But like, I'm I'm super like uh, nervous and afraid because, first of all, I'm not sure if I'm uh, that good of a teacher or person who can explain stuff. Um, mm-hmm. in, in pretty much everything, I'm self-taught and yeah. I don't know. I somehow I believe in this that like, if you want to learn something, you'll find a way. And then, yeah. but at the same time, I see some people have interest, and I'm like, okay, everybody is telling me like giving workshops is super nice they love it like the interaction with people and everything and they learn stuff but at the same time i'm like uh, i'm a bit afraid and i i don't know how to structure everything like uh, you know yeah that's also my problem because i've never personally been to like a proper workshop so i'm like how on earth do i like know how to teach especially because i personally never really go to workshops because i self-teach myself as well so i definitely know how you feel Mm -hmm. but in the end i feel like because you've been practicing and you have a way of how you personally approach things i think you just have to like write that down and then i think we we can do it yeah but like i've been on workshops like uh, (laughs) i've been attending but like for example Mm -hmm. When we were in Milano in 2016 for the design of words, there were five days and every day a member of Calligraphy Masters was giving a workshop, like Tios one, uh, Frack one, Pokras Lampas, Toga, mm-hmm. Girgin. And it was super awesome because I could see like what they do and how they do it. But at the same time, I didn't participate because I was all the time with the camera, filming, uh, yeah. checking stuff, <laughs> taking pictures. And I want this super like mm-hmm. awesome workshops which are uh, teaching you amazing stuff and and mm-hmm. i'm not attending and it's like come mm-hmm. on it's 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 weird but yeah I, I would say like i haven't attended properly a workshop like to mm-hmm. go on a workshop and do it but mm-hmm. i recommend this for like 100 even 1000 mm-hmm. percent if you're thinking if you should do it or not do it like self-taught yeah. is great but Having uh, someone who has more knowledge to teach you, yeah. it's uh, it's totally different thing. It can save you mm-hmm. so much time, so much struggle, Definitely. and uh, and it's 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 a great experience. Even though like on those yeah. workshops, I'm I'm not attending them, really attending mm-hmm. like writing. It's still like the the vibe and everything. Like mm-hmm. it's it's super cool. It's just yeah. So I would definitely recommend to people who haven't been mm-hmm. to workshop or haven't even considered it, do it. If you have the opportunity, do it. If you don't okay. uh, find online classes, there are plenty, like, we are 21st century, like, uh, internet has mm-hmm. pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But definitely. I'm going to attend a workshop, my first real workshop in May with Mike Meyer doing sign painting. Oh. He's actually coming to Zurich, which I'm super excited about, and it's going to be, like, a two-day class. And um, that's something that I'm really excited about. And I'm really um, interested to see how that class will be different. Because it's like, since you have two days, it will probably be like a lot more in-depth. Um, so I'm really interested to see that. I think, I, think uh, I did an episode with uh, Ray Wost. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah. Like, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I think I know who you mean. So he shared this story where he went to to the town where uh, Mike lives and mm-hmm. he told me about his workshop and they it, it it was like some crazy experience like they were doing it for like a whole week I think and every day like yeah. six or eight hours like intense work yeah. and he was so happy about it like this yeah. this improved his uh, skills and work with mm-hmm. so much and so much and 
Yeah. Um, Aman, you, you, it's it's super awesome that you can attend his workshop. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. I'm waiting him for a podcast. We were supposed yeah. to be recorded it already, but mm -hmm. then in the day of the recording, he had uh, to do something else. And uh, yeah, like I'm. So many people talking right now for yeah. podcasts. Some some people I forget it. We start uh, discussing, mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah, I should not talk about these things. We are talking here about your journey. <laughs> so I'm also interested about the podcast journey. So yeah, I, I was okay. I, I'm gonna ask you questions because this is like uh, been in my mind for a few days, but mm -hmm. I haven't discussed it with anyone. I was mm -hmm. thinking maybe I should do like one episode of the podcast, like me, just me talking. And that's it. Like no guests, just me mm -hmm. explaining stuff, mm -hmm. like explaining stuff about calligraphy masters, yeah, about the team. Yeah, telling your story, story would be so interesting because I don't really know much about it. I mean, I know you started calligraphy masters like really early. I think five years ago or so. Yeah, this year, yeah, uh, this year January became five yeah. years. Yeah, I think I found like your account about six months or so okay to my personal instagram so i've i've been following your page like forever but uh, i mean i feel like i know some about you but i don't really know like your personal uh journey and how you came up with calligraphy masters and how you convinced like so many people to like join you when you were still like a pretty small page uh, so i think it would be so interesting it's funny because when the website was still on there was like mm -hmm. not the full story but there was like the basic of the story mm -hmm. and then for a super long time i've been willing to do a youtube video like a super nice video for the story and the team yeah. but because in my head it's like it has to be so awesome and all these yeah. like uh, difficult steps that i'm just it's always in my mind and i'm like yeah i'm gonna make it and i'm gonna make it and it's mm -hmm. been like i don't know maybe two three years with yeah. the idea and I'm, i'm thinking okay maybe i should just do a podcast and then mm -hmm start focusing really on the video because i really want to make yeah. it because i have some great ideas yeah but i asked you about the podcast because i don't know like this is the podcast for for the people and uh, and i <clears throat> what i what i'm not sure if i should do it because it's like it isn't this like too selfish like yo i ask no, all I the people and so. then i come here like let me tell you my story like uh, no i don't think not. so because i think it's super it's very interesting it's really 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 interesting to like um hear stories from everyone and it's especially interesting to like know who the host is as well like you're hosting people and it's really interesting to like if i know your story better i will probably like understand the way you answer things or questions you are asking so i think i think it would be interesting definitely i would listen to it <laughs> The, the last thing you said like okay that thanks a lot like this this really convinced this convinced me super okay, awesome. so do it thanks for the advice <laughs> what's the best uh, tip slash advice you received on calligraphy or lettering that uh, helped you the most um paul saying that 80% of calligraphy studying really helped me basically because That was really the point. And also, like, um, I think a couple of months ago, I, like, posted with point and pen. And I comment and mentioned in the caption that I felt like I was really struggling with my script, especially because I hadn't done point and pen a lot. But I had been doing a lot of iPad lettering. And I think he, like, wrote a comment saying that it's not that bad and you can definitely see improvement in, like, the shapes. And um, that's just something that got me thinking. Like, even though point and pen is, like, my main focus, 
I do a lot of iPad lettering when I'm like tired sitting just on the sofa, like in completely wrong posture and everything, but I do still write those shapes and I look at those shapes all day long. So um, I feel like just looking at those shapes, they really, I really get to analyze it. And even if I then try to do it with point of pen and it's just like a lot more shaky because there's no streamline, I still um, have that like hand movement practiced. So, um, and just, as I said, looking at the stuff, like I look at alphabets all day long and now I focus on like little things and like seeing transitions. And even though like, I don't think my script is good at the moment where I look at it and I'm looking at it and it's just like, I see all the flaws. Like if I come back to it a couple of days later and just look at it from afar, it looks really good. And I feel just like looking at your work very closely while you're practicing but also when you're just like stumbling over it, liking it is like one of the things that is pretty important because you kind of just hate on your script all the time. That will be too frustrating. So I feel like allowing to like some stuff, but also being very critical of your work is really helpful. Uh, you kind of just mentioned it, but uh, I wanted to ask uh, which one are you doing more or actually how much time you give to like iPad lettering and then... Uh pen holder like calligraphy proper one yeah. doing it like which one um, do you do more i probably do more ipad lettering because i also have like um and i i bought like the newer ipad like the third generation one recently so i have that at home when i brought like my old ipad to work and um we work like we do also like um we program a pdf and it has to like run through a generator and it takes like sometimes 10 minutes to generate. And I just have like a pad of paper with me and an iPad. And whenever I just wait, I like draw letters and flourish. And then I also have like a pencil. So I do a lot of pencil calligraphy and iPad lettering at work, which is just like a little bit of practice. I recently brought like a brush pen, but I think if I brought an even ink, it would probably be too weird. Um, but um, I do that at work a lot, so I do a lot of iPad lettering there. I do a lot of iPad lettering when I'm watching TV, so I'm just like sitting at my iPad. So I feel like I do a lot more like playtime on the iPad, but not really like real practice. I never do on the iPad because I feel like it's more of a toy than a tool to like improve your calligraphy, which is also why if people want to learn iPad lettering, I always say at least buy a brush pen as well because you can never just learn it on the iPad. Even though I think Karen, like iPad lettering, I think she only did iPad lettering and none with pens until later on. But For I real? still believe that. Yeah, I think she really just did it on the iPad. But this is something I've discussed with other people and I think it's really wrong to like uh, start with iPad. Like, of I course. Think so too. Because in the yeah. beginning when iPad started popping, like iPad calligraphy, I was so much against it. But then at one point yeah. I was like, okay, it's not bad. It's cool. It's just another two. But do it mm -hmm. when you, you have the base and you can do it with your yeah. hand. Definitely. Definitely. And also I feel like a lot of people are criticizing the streamline feature, which is on the iPad, which smooths out your lines. Yeah. And I personally put it at 100%. And I've gotten some critiques about it. And I always say that you're doing digital work and if you were to write that on a, with a brush pen and scan it and vectorize it, I would make it smoother than it is originally. So I feel like it's like one step further, but it's definitely like, 
it's a different version of your script. It definitely looks more polished. I think even this is not a problem because uh, mm. this week I made an episode with uh, Steph, Stefan Lopez. I don't know if mm -hmm. you know him. He's like a quite, uh, he does quite a lot of work with the uh, iPad. And yeah, he yeah. shared something that it's, it's, it's really inspiring what and how he does it. And uh, I'm not going to say it because you hear it, but I think... <laughs> Uh, you'll be surprised because even if it's 100% if it makes something difference, then still it can be of use to you. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah. And then for the rest yeah. of people or you are interested, there will be the episode with Stefan Lopez. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> the... listening to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, my, like, yeah my, my question jumped uh, out of my head again. I had a ready question. <laughs> no, please come back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I hate when this happens. It, it, yeah, it happens. I, 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 I feel awkward. It'll come back. Uh, come on, come. Oh yeah, can you give me some um, names of calligraphers, calligraphy artists, or lettering artists, whatever? Mm -hmm. Some uh, that you are truly inspired by and that you are following, like yeah. a bunch a bunch of name of modern artists and then a bunch mm -hmm. of uh, traditional. Yeah, um, so for Modern, I really love Letters by Shelves. Uh, she's a really, really good friend of mine by now. Um, I'm hopefully going to meet her by the end of the year. Um, so she's, um, what I really like about her script is it's really bouncy and modern. Like, if you think of modern, modern brush lettering, it's brush lettering. I think you will think of her script. And um, I really just like her message. She's always so, so positive and she's the kindest person ever. And I just love her feed. It's just full of colors. And um, it's so lighthearted and simple and beautiful. Um, and because I, even though like I've learned traditional modern calligraphy first, um, I've never really managed to do like bouncy lettering. And I still think it's really cool, even though I think a lot of traditional calligraphers look down upon modern calligraphy a bit. I really enjoy it and I love it. And I really like her work. Um, I also really like Crystal Elizabeth, um, she also is a modern calligrapher who, well she's more of a brush lettering artist as well, um, and she has this really cool way of mixing capital letters and lowercase letters to make look, like she makes these really cool modern um, compositions that I really like. And she also recently published a book which is really nice, um, it has a nice uh, introduction. Then. Um, these are like my main inspirations for like modern um, calligraphy mm -hmm. and then um, I also really like what Peggy Dean does, so uh, the Pigeon Letters. Um, she's a really great Skillshare teacher, she, she has some amazing classes on like pricing on Skillshare um, and she, she has like, I think we started around the same time and she has grown incredibly fast and I just love her because she's always like spreading so much positivity and motivational and um, she also recently came out with like her own cruelty-free brushes and she's made really cool books that she self-published and then got to publish with like um, a real publisher. So I think her story is like really inspirational of what you can just achieve with just doing lettering and her illustration and line work is just beautiful. So I really like her as well. Maybe I yeah, should, like maybe I should invite her to the podcast or? Yeah, she would be awesome. I think she would be really nice. Um, and then for traditional, I love Paul Antonio, um, David Grimes, um, Mike Ward, um, Jake Whiteman, and I really love um, bad calligraphy as well. 
He's uh, the left, the lefty. I, I, I'm just like blown away how you, you can do that with your left hand. Um, because my sister is left-handed and whenever I watch her write, I'm just like struggling to understand how it works. Damn, um, like, I, I just, uh, I, first while we were talking, I remembered something and then yeah. I got surprised how many episodes I've done actually already because yeah. it always points <laughs> to, uh, but yeah, there is an episode with the Russian dude about the left hand and the, this is yeah. something I was like blown away. I was like, <laughs> what? And, but yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm just, I, yeah. I, I mentioned those things just to tease yeah. people, you know. I'm really so, sorry about it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Maybe. Did it sound weird? It sounded really cool. Is it Bulgarian? Yes, it is. Really cool. I really like like listening to like foreign languages that I don't understand. But it sounded really interesting. I didn't think I've ever heard it. I felt awkward. I was like, in my mind, I'm talking. I'm like, man, what the, what's she thinking? Like, what the fuck is this dude talking right now? <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, like uh, we were speaking about uh... calligraphy inspiration. Um. All right. So, um, for lefties, I also really like Logos calligraphy. Um, she's also really awesome, and um, I love Michael Sol's work as well. And Mike Meyer for sign painting, and um, there's this guy and I cannot pronounce his name, Baying Oxer or something like that. I don't really know. Um, I don't remember how, um, how it's written. But he does beautiful flourishing. He's from India, and he does like these flourished pieces where he has literally drawings of like animals and stuff. So that's pretty awesome. And other than that, um, I love also Telmo's work. Um, he helped Paul with his manual. Um, and uh, Alice's work, who was Paul's assistant when I was there. Um, I really like what she does. And then... Who else do I follow and see all the time? I think those are enough. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> ah, there always are. Uh, yeah, there's always more. I really love also like um, Teos one. I love his work. He's awesome. He's the reason for me to find calligraphy, to start yeah. calligraphy masters. To yeah, he's the reason for everything. Yeah, he does really nice. His work is amazing. Okay, I have uh, two questions for you, and uh, yeah. we are about to wrap. First mm -hmm. is it's very quick and simple. How half a px is this uh, half a pixel? It's half a pixel, yes. Okay, because it's been bugging my mind for so long. Yeah. I always want to ask and I always forget. Yeah, and then it's the... half a pixel, okay. and it's a struggle to explain the name to people because n mostly people who are never into technology will never mm -hmm. get that px stands for pixel. So I always have to explain. It. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah. then my second question is. Uh, what is it that you love most about uh, calligraphy? What what this what does it what it does to you or what is the thing that mm -hmm. uh, you love most about it? I think it's just so different from everything else that I do. I I'm really like I spend my life in front of a keyboard most of the time and I never was like creative or the I would, let's just say it I never considered myself an artist. Um, my sister draws really well and I have other people in my family that are really good artistically at drawing and painting and I was always just, I was the writer and, um, and my sister was the artist 
And I really liked that one. I felt really comfortable in my role of being the writer and the nerd. But it's just really cool to like have this thing that I can geek out about. But at the same time, it's something that you can visually show people. Like, um, it's it's really difficult to like show people. Oh, I write stories. Here's like the book that I wrote, um, or I I write the code for that website. Look at it. That's my code. It's really difficult. But I really like the fact that I can just like um, I can write a, a birthday card and people love it because it's so personal. So um, it's really like a practical thing to do, like a passion and a hobby that that you can share with people as well. And um, I just really love watching people write calligraphy. It's so like meditating and writing yourself write and watching yourself writing is also like this. It has this soothing feeling to it that's just so satisfying. So um, I guess that's like the biggest aspect of it. That's like. It's like my thing with words and it's it's just like an artist artsy thing that I can do. So that's probably like the best thing about it. Awesome. Then uh, here is the final, I guess you're familiar with it. If <laughs> just to the people who are listening, to the people who are thinking if they should start or mm -hmm. what they to do, what to do or if you want to say something to anyone, if you want to promote something, whatever it is, just go on. Okay, my biggest tip for people wanting to learn calligraphy is definitely do it, but do your research first, because if you do research right, you will spend a lot less time being frustrated with the tool that you use. Never go and try to write calligraphy with this people oblique holder, because that's terrible. And um, yeah, at the same time, be critical of your work, but never forget to have fun because that's the most important part. And yeah, if you're interested in learning about tools and getting really geeky about ink and stuff, I do have a blog on halfapixel.com and uh, I write a lot of really long blog posts. There's like a blog post that's 5,000 words just about holders and... There's uh, my post about black inks, where I explain the differences between Sumi, India, watercolor, Gunzai, gouache. I think it would be interesting if you really like to be nerdy about stuff. So if you want to check that out, do. I'm so happy that you did this because I was just thinking every time, like in the end of the episode, I give this to opportunities to people and they never, they never plug like, for example, follow my Instagram, follow, like, yeah. if somebody asks me something like this, I'll be, follow Facebook, follow Instagram, yeah. subscribe on YouTube, uh, go follow the podcast, yeah. like, I'll use any opportunity, yeah. you know? I'm like, people, like, this is the end, like, you yeah. can promote whatever it is, your accounts, your upcoming yeah. projects, products, like. Yeah. There's a know. link on my blog to all my social media as well, So, but I really feel like a lot of people don't know that I even have a blog and I spend a lot of time doing the photography and the writing for it, so have a look at it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Miriam, uh, thanks a lot for being uh, guest in the Calligraphers podcast and yeah. being the first female. Thanks a lot for having me. It's been a super pleasure. It was uh, really yeah. exciting listening to your story and talking about calligraphy. Yeah. And uh, I hope in the future, if you have something to talk or depends on mm -hmm. how it goes with the podcast, that you'll be a guest yeah. again. I'd love to. Awesome. Thanks for your time. And as always, keep writing. Yeah. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Calligraphy Master Show. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the story of Miriam and it helped or inspired you in any way. 
Next Sunday, I'll be speaking with the amazing Susan Cunningham, which is a member of Calligraphy Masters as well. So please follow Calligraphy Masters on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening, and as always, keep writing. <laughs> <laughs>